Welcome to Perspectives Unsettled, a podcast that exists to challenge our assumptions about faith and move the average Christian from status quo into boldness in action. I'm your host, Emily Luttrell. And I'm Ben Stewart. And we are here today with Jeremy Locke. Hey, what's up, Jeremy? Jeremy is a new addition to the Uncharted team. Mm -hmm. Long time listener, first time caller. All right. Well, before we get into it and talk about what Jeremy is doing at Uncharted, Ben, I think you have a really important question for all of us to address first. I do. I I actually have two, but I can only pick one, but I want to tell you what the other one was because we all happen to be Lord of the Rings nerds, Mm -hmm. like hardcore nerds. And so I was going to ask a question around Lord of the Rings, you know, like Like a trivia. Yeah. 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 To see like who would have gotten it. But but then the other thing that I had, and so I'm going with this one, is you're going to hear Jeremy's story and you're going to realize that he was in, um, spoiler alert, he was in local church ministry as a worship leader. So I I've, I felt like something around that realm had to come into play. So I looked up some of the most popular 90s contemporary cr- Christian artists. Ooh. And the question of the podcast is... If you had to identify with one of the four following contemporary Christian artists of the 90s, which one do you pick and why? This okay. Be good. So coming in at number one, Newsboys. Mm. Number two, Third Day. Number three, DC Talk. And coming at a strong number four, Jars of Clay. Okay. okay. I've seen two of these in concert. Which two? Newsboys and Jars of Clay. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Evansville, Indiana? No. Um, both of them actually were with church camp, my friend's church in Gallenberg, Tennessee. Wow. Nice. Which one did you feel more connected to the Lord through? I mean, <laughs> this is quite a question. Okay. So of those four, Emily, which one? Newsboys, Third Day, DC Talk, or Jars of Clay? I would say Jars of Clay. I could still genuinely enjoy yeah. some some Jars of Clay music. Yeah. What was the, was it Flood? Flood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you still listen to that one from time to time? I mean, it might be in the mix and some is there playlists. A playlist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got Jars of Clay gets a vote. Jeremy, worship leader extraordinaire. <laughs> This has nothing to do with my background in worship ministry. It's Are you telling first... me you didn't use any of their songs as worship songs? You didn't do a Jesus Freak at any point? No. But <laughs> DC Talk's album, Jesus Freak, was the first CD that was ever like my own personal Ooh. CD. Can you do the rap? Yeah. Yeah, probably <laughs> can. can. I know I'm you sure can. I can pull it out. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, um, but I would say anything pre-Jesus Freak I don't really know. And what I've heard is like a little cringier than I expected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. D- I feel like they found their stride with Jesus Freak. So I'm going to go DC Talk post Jesus Freak. Okay. Can you do a Mac Powell impression? No. Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> ben? Um, I would probably, there's connections for me for all of them. I mean, I remember DC Talk like concerts, but I would probably go with Third Day because it was the closest knockoff to like the pearl jam creed you know that sort of like creed i think they also cre- counts mm, they have they to. were sort of that like closet christian mm-hmm. music that you could like if you were a homeschool kid like i was and you weren't allowed to listen to quote-unquote secular mm-hmm. music creed you, could get, you creed. could get away with yep yeah so. i feel like mac powell was like he was channeling some scott stapp yeah vibes exactly sure. yeah so 
There you go. Now that we got that out of the way, maybe I should have gone with the Tolkien question. Say, I, now I just want to know what it was. <laughs> the question was. Was it like a quiz? We'll save that question? for next time. We'll save okay. it for next time. Okay. It can be hard to feel like you have a grasp on some of the big ideas that come with faith. Different theological opinions or ideas about God's sovereignty can feel like they don't really impact our lives, other than giving people things to argue about. But then we have an experience that connects us to these big ideas and makes them more real to us. Maybe that experience can come through a circumstance or a relationship with someone or an international mission trip. For a lot of people, the idea of global missions can seem like this big, vague, and distant thing and pretty far removed from a day-to-day life, especially when there's so much need to be connected to a local church and community. It can feel like you have to choose one or the other, local versus global. A lot of different things play into this feeling, and we as a church may be widening the gap ourselves without even realizing it. But at the end of the day, there has to be a way to follow Jesus' example of loving those around him, as well as his commission to make disciples in all nations. So this episode, we're talking to Jeremy Locke, Uncharted's new engagement director, which is a new role for him and for us. And we're going to be asking questions like, how does a person expand their idea of God's mission? Is there actually a choice that has to be made between local and global? And what does it look like to be engaged in your local church and in missions at the same time? Jeremy, it is really great to not only have you here on the podcast, though that is great, but also to have you on the team. And like Emily said in the intro, it is not only new for you to be in this role, but it's new for us uh, at Uncharted to have this role of engagement director. And there's a lot within that title and a lot of that we will touch on today. Um, But there's a reason why we identified this as a need for our organization organization that is internationally focused, but we talk a lot about the importance of seeing the people of God engage in the mission of God. Um, so this has been something that has been pretty personal to you, um, which is one of the reasons, frankly, why you, you're in this role now is um, certainly you have background in the local church uh, environment, but I know that you have a very personal story and journey when it comes to sort of waking up to what God is doing around yeah, the world yeah. and what it looks like, what it has looked like in your own life. Um, so maybe to uh, to just catch us up briefly, give us a little sense for who, who's Jeremy Lalk, uh, you know, family, all that great little bio stuff. And then um, what is some of the major things that have um, sort of those Kairos moments or those or those moments in the journey that have brought you to where you are today, not just with Uncharted, but why a role like this has become important to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, am married. I have three kids. And um, I, for most of my formative years, I really didn't know what I wanted to do uh, for like my career. And um, I felt like God called me pretty clearly into worship ministry. Um, once I got into college, that was kind of the only thing that I really felt myself drawn to seemed like the only thing that I could really uh, be excited about being a part of. And so I entered into that and then um, have been doing primarily worship ministry or something close to it for the past 14 years. And um, so this seems like a pretty big departure from that. And it is. (laughs) But uh, there was there was a moment a couple years ago where my church had a need for some leadership 
in our outreach department. Mm -hmm. um, it was a really robust uh, outreach department. They knew what they were doing and why they were doing it. Um, just kind of needed a connecting point through uh, to the leadership. And so um, that was an area where I was able to step in and offer a little bit of leadership, but really come in and learn a lot about our vision for mm. outreach. And so part of that was, um, I think to, to build a bridge because I was still very connected to the weekend service and it was a very underrepresented part of our church in the weekend services. So we wanted to build a bridge there. Um, and then once I got into that role, I was invited to be a part of a couple trips just to kind of get some exposure with our existing partners. Yeah. Um, one of those was church planters in New York City, which was really, really eye-opening and cool. And mm -hmm. another one was some church planters in Japan and around some of the major cities in Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a part of uh, a time in my story where I had a lot of questions and was uh, kind of coming out of a lot of wrestling and really was at a point where I was just needing to experience God in a very, very real way. So I started praying for that and asking s some people around me to pray that prayer with me. And um, it was right about that time that I got to go uh, visit these partners in Japan and I don't know what I was expecting to happen, but I was not expecting uh, to have a conversation about maybe moving my family there <laughs> to help them plant churches. Um, I was I was interested and excited, but very, very surprised just because that's not something that had ever been on my radar. Um, but I came back and um, just through kind of a cool story, my wife and I decided this is something that we needed to take seriously, even though um, it was very new and very different. And so we did, and uh, we prayed a lot, had a lot of conversations. I actually took a trip back there and really fell in love with the culture and the people, um, but especially with the mission, uh, the, the idea of taking the gospel to a place where people had actually never even heard the name of Jesus, which mm -hmm. was very, very different for yeah. me. And it, uh, it didn't happen. It didn't actually uh, come together for us. We didn't feel like it was the right time for us and our family. And so we ended up being left here with a lot of questions like, yep. what was that for? Like it kind of turned our world upside down mm -hmm. for about three or four months. And we were just stuck wondering why, why did that happen? What was that about? Um, but what it did do is it shifted our perspective a lot, even here. And um, that was the first time that I feel like I really started to understand that there is something to having a, a global perspective, even if your plans aren't to go live overseas or to go be on the front lines of the mission field. Uh, there is something for uh, ordinary people like me to have that shift of perspective while still living here and being stateside, doing all of the normal things that we've uh, grown familiar and comfortable with, but with that little shift in perspective. And so that was kind of my journey into uh, being interested in this line of work and so then I started feeling the, the desire to like help other people have this same kind of perspective shift. Awesome. Which is really when our conversation about Uncharted began, mm -hmm. obviously we yeah. um, had a friendship and relationship before that, but um, it really was sort of the stirring and the awakening of that in you guys. And tell me a little bit, like even before coming to Uncharted in this role, maybe that window of time between the Japan experience, which though you thought might have turned into a long-term uh, a long-term experience was really a short-term like a yeah. short-term trip <clears throat> um what types of you already mentioned that there were some shifts in perspective so 
I'll frame it this way. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but if you hadn't gone to Japan, what are things that you've now realized you would be missing out on? Does that make sense? Like whether it comes to, you know, a view of God or a view of his, the people of God or theology or what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What are things that you would have missed out on had you not had that sort of experience? Yeah, I think what it forced us into was uh, to start searching for and praying through answers uh, to questions that we weren't asking before, Mm. Um, really trying to maybe have a a better understanding of what the kingdom of God exists for, what happens Mm. when when the truth of the gospel takes root in Mm. a culture or uh, a life. And then I think from there, like once we started grappling with some of those answers or questions, um, then you start to notice, uh, the, the global nature of our world differently, like how connected we are. I think like globalization, like that idea that we're, we're actually not that far from these countries that geographically are very far away. Um, but you start to notice, uh, things in the news cycle a little bit more, or, um, even in, uh, like my family lives just a little bit down the road in what's a, a pretty small town but actually has a lot of, through like hospital systems and things like that, there's a lot of globalized uh, cultures that come to this area. And it's almost like it took me getting out of my context a little bit to come back and see there's a lot more to be seen here than I was maybe awake to before. So it it helped me, I think, just start becoming aware that there is a lot of God's global mission that's actually right here in my backyard. Yeah, it's good. One thing that I think is interesting that both of you guys actually have experience with is working in on church staff and being involved, like very concerned and involved in a local ministry. Like your your main concerns, as they should be, are like the people who are physically coming in and out of the building or people who are watching online. And then to decide to move basically to the opposite <laughs> kind of <laughs> thought, which someone outside of ministry work probably does not consider it really that big of a shift. You know, you were working for a church. Now you're working for a church partnering organization, but it really is, you know, focusing on one thing versus the other was what is that shift like maybe, or does it, does it feel as drastic as maybe it sounds well, since I'm three weeks in, <laughs> fresh for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do think my answer will probably be a little bit in some ways. I'm, I'm sure there'll be similarities with Jeremy's experience and then some differences because I have been, quote unquote, out of the local church context vocationally for a while, yet still very much connected like you acknowledged, Emily. So I think I think for me, it's it does feel just like a different puzzle piece of the same puzzle. Mm -hmm. So perhaps to others, it feel, it does appear to be like a drastic shift. Um, To me, it it doesn't. To me, it's just like um, hanging out with the extended family versus just, you know, my immediate, my immediate core family. Like it's all, it's all still in the same home. It's all still in the same playing field. Um, There's just a few more, more members of the family around if that makes sense i don't know i'm trying to think of an analogy on the spot here but i mean it's kind of corny but i'll take it okay well i'm i'm good with corny so (laughs) 
Um, so I would say, um, obviously, one of the big differences is with local church context, like it's in general the same group of people, you know, that you're you're walking with and connecting with in a pretty focused manner. Whereas in the realm of Uncharted and context like that, though we do have ongoing partnerships, um, it just feels like the scope's different, like broader. And so um, the way that we relate to people is a little bit different. The you don't, you don't have like the same faces every Sunday that you're seeing, you know? And so it's trying to connect the dots of how does, how does the local church context connect with what God is doing globally and vice versa, and to maybe eliminate some of those, um, some of those myths or false ideas that it's just a one-way conduit. Like we're just trying to get local church here to connect over there, mm-hmm. but actually there's a huge need and a great importance to get what's going on over there to connect back here. Um, and just that mutuality and need and opportunity to learn from each other. Um, so those, I'm rambling a little bit, but those are some of the differences as I look back. I mean, for me, it's been several years now. Um, so I'd be curious to hear, yeah, like several weeks now, <laughs> several days, what, what that's been like for you, Jeremy. Yeah. I think, one thing, like I, I resonate with what you're saying and how I've thought through that is like, it feels like, like I was very much focused on this one worshiping body. Um, but now it feels like, uh, it's almost like doing a, if, when you're doing a survey, like your sample size gets way, way mm-hmm. bigger. And so you're tracking trends over not just like dozens or hundreds or whatever of people in one location, but rather dozens or hundreds of churches across an entire environment and so like with my role here it's going to be relating with you know many many different churches and so the questions that we're talking about and um, the ideas that we're thinking through um, we're trying to think on a level that that translates in multiple different church contexts whereas before the questions that I'm asking are really identified to one local community Mm -hmm. and so it's like that sample size has gotten way bigger and we can think maybe through larger cultural trends rather than just, you know, specific community trends, if that makes sense. I think it does to maybe force a little bit the question of what, what really matters. And I think, I mean, primarily theologically, but in other ways as well, because when you're in a, when you're in one contained local church context, that's what you're if you're on staff, you're literally paid to think about like, what does our church care about specifically? What, what makes us unique theologically and practically and ministry wise and things of that nature. And that's not a bad thing. Like that's, that's what they're supposed to be doing. And I think in this realm where you do rub shoulders with and connect with not only a lot of different church bodies here in the U S but also a lot of followers of Jesus in a variety of cultures and contexts and people groups who are all coming from very different places, you pretty quickly realize how you have to shed a lot of the stuff that really felt important when you're in a local church context mm-hmm. and, and probably was really important in that local church context, but it no longer feels as important if that makes sense, especially yeah. with some of the places where we work. It's like, mm, I don't think these people really care about issue X or Y. They're just 
trying to survive? Yeah. And how do we as brothers and sisters come alongside and help them survive and live out God's love? Um, so I think that's a big difference too, is you just kind of like you're thinking more ecumenically, like a bit, yeah. And a, a centered set approach right. to different things that yes. maybe before would have been a little bit more polarized. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think when we kind of look, whenever I think back and think of the Christian communities I've been a part of, there are people that tend to be global people and people that tend to be local people. And it usually ends up being you, nobody is usually both. <laughs> <laughs> like I, some of the globally minded people that I've known are usually excited about leaving wherever they are currently and going and traveling and trying new things and eating new food and meeting new people. And the the locally minded people that I know are a little more concerned about staying and making the place you live in great, building your community, supporting local people and businesses or whatever. And there's not a lot of people that I can think of off the top of my mind that I would automatically say like, yeah, that person's got like uh, both sides of the scale are perfectly balanced. I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong to be unbalanced, but it kind of brings up this idea that you can't, you have to pick one basically. And whether that is because you're just more inclined one way or another, you've had experiences that push you one direction versus the other, but it, it kind of brings up this idea that, you know, you gotta, you gotta pick one (laughs) and make that your idea. So maybe the thing I just want to talk about, um, is, is this true? Because I, I think for me, I think I'm generally more of like a local person when it comes to like where I want to invest and and just like where my where I am where I'm at most of the time. Yeah. I want to believe that the place I live can be good. And I don't mm-hmm. want to constantly be thinking, you know, it'd be better if I was like in a different country right now. But I obviously care about global issues. I work here <laughs> and I do love, you know, this international missions thing that we do. Um so so uh, I guess what I'm asking is what the answer is. <laughs> well, first, let's talk about is this is this a choice that anybody has to make at some point? Do you have to choose global versus local? I think I think there's sort of layers to that answer. Like I think at the core, um, my short answer would be no. I I think ideally no, we we shouldn't have to choose, and actually we. We shouldn't choose. Well, that's a relief. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Moving on. <No. laughs> End um, of podcast. That's right. Um, it's sort of like it's sort of like asking a person, um, you know, are you do you care more about evangelism or more about discipleship? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, well, are you asking me what I care more about, or are you asking me what I'm more gifted about and what I'm putting my my activity towards? I think. I think there's sort of qualifiers that need to be identified in that question because I can, I can with integrity say, um, I am, I see the value of local outreach and global ministry as equal and the same. And I am incredibly grateful that there are organizations and people and churches who have a really strong focus on local outreach and serving their community, making their place a better place, 
their city a better city. And I think that um, as believers, it's not an either or when it comes to a care to see it happen or a desire to see God's shalom, if you want to use that word, like God's presence of peace and and restoration falling on a people. Like we, I care about that just as much in my local context as I desire to see it in, in a global context. Um, so if it's a matter of care and value, then I would say, ideally, a follower of Jesus should care about both. If it's a if it's a matter of where energies go towards and where giftings and experience and passion, well, then that's to me, in my personal opinion, that's a different question. Yeah. And I would say that there are seasons and times where God may move us and focus us on on one more than the other. And my life is a great example of that. I mean, I I worked in local church settings and I was very passionate. I mean, I've started nonprofits that. Um, you know, do anti-trafficking work in, when I was on staff at a church in Wisconsin, focused on Wisconsin, because that that's where I lived. That was my local context. And I believed in that deeply and still value what that organization is still doing. But over time, you know, have seen God direct my heart and my experiences and my passions towards, towards that, in my case, a global perspective. So I think it's, there's a there's an element of gifting and passion um and then and then celebrating you know in my case i'm i'm focused primarily globally i would say celebrating what god is doing locally and even and even a, a sense of like what role can i still play so practically speaking in my family there are certain causes or issues that we care a lot about in our community and in our country. And so even though I'm not actively uh, doing them or, you know, working for those nonprofits or working for those local churches, we, we give to those things. We support those things. We celebrate those things. We post on social media about those things because that there's still a way for us to live that out. So what do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think, I think the the question of uh, which one is more important, uh, like you hear those kinds of questions, and I think that's a that's a false dichotomy. Like there's there's a dividing line where there shouldn't be one. Um, now I think uh, points of emphasis can be different. I think there are people who are uh, gifted at being uh, influencing. Uh, a broader spectrum of people like you see like Paul in the New Testament he's mm-hmm. he's ministering to several different churches but then there are other disciples who really invested in specific communities I can think of uh, friends of mine that are uh, like vocationally invested in our city and our community and that's what they really really care about um, but that doesn't mean that they care any less about mm-hmm. uh you know, what God's doing on the other side of the world. They just have a particular gift and a particular calling to this context. And so I think uh, that, that God puts us in certain situations to invest specifically, but ultimately I think what we're talking about is um, not necessarily uh, should you focus on local or should, should you focus on global? I think the better question is, should you focus on uh, a missional lifestyle? Like mm-hmm. should, you, should you live intentionally or not? I think that's probably the right question because you can, 
there, there's a lot of overlap between living missionally uh, with a global focus and living missionally with a local focus. That's both a very intentional way to approach your discipleship to Jesus. The only thing, other thing I would add to that too is, I think I think more important than yeah that you know that false dichotomy or trying to figure that out is what's what's the spirit of openness to where the spirit is leading me in a particular moment because I do think like I'm thinking about you know Paul in the Book of Acts is typically more identified with um, very apostolic work where he's going to the next place and the next place and typically those are all non-Jew, you know, they're, they're Gentile type locations. And Peter, on the other hand, is typically more associated with, with a Jewish audience, if you will. And, and yet one of our, one of our organizational passages or stories that we like to point to is that Acts chapter 10 moment where the spirit breaks into Peter's life in a very dramatic way. And is almost like, look, I know you're used to this and you have sort of a proclivity and bent towards this, and that's not bad, but in this moment, at this time, I'm asking you to go over here. Mm-hmm. And and it kind of messes with Peter a bit, you know. I mean, three times Jesus the, the Spirit has to reveal that to him. So I think I think that's an important thing to realize too, is f- like speaking personally, applying to that that to my life personally, though though my focus and my passion and my bent is global. And I would actually say God has very much wired me for that. That doesn't excuse me from if there is something happening in my local context, I don't have the excuse of, well, I'm living missionally globally, so I don't have to deal with that. I'm already doing my mission thing. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Right. So I think it's also just about that posture of spirit. If you're asking me to go this way, even if it's not something I normally do, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I think what's cool in that example of Peter is, uh, to my knowledge, he didn't become a missionary to the Gentiles after that. Right. I mean, I think what probably happened is he invested where he was but when the Gentile walks into the room, he views them very, very differently. And I think that's that's like a really good example of what we're trying to help people adopt is, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not necessarily asking a bunch of people to go be missionaries. Mm-hmm. We're asking people to take more seriously the call of Jesus to bring that kingdom flourishing into your context. But maybe with that perspective shift where you, you view the nations differently, even when you're located where you are. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that I like about this, that idea of, you know, talking less about where's your focus and talking more about living missionally is it, it kind of undercuts this question that people come up with like, okay, but what about, you know, the people in your backyard or people in your neighborhood that need help too? Why are you spending all this time and energy and money feeding people on the other side of the world when there are hungry people in our city? And I mean, well, it's probably not right, but my first response would be like, well, why aren't you feeding them? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have a point. <laughs> but my second, maybe more mature response <laughs> would probably be like, "There, if you're connected to people who are hungry, you should feed them. It doesn't matter where they are. That's part of just this understanding of what I'm called to do as a Christian. And when you are made aware of suffering especially when you're made aware of suffering in places where you do have a connection like where we have gone to these places as uncharted and we've met people and we have friends and when we are connected to their suffering we want to help relieve that and that doesn't lessen the the care for people here or people closer to home this 
this this is a theory that I'm working on. And I think <laughs> what I'm thinking is I think all of the church is the local church, really, when you yeah. think about it. Like there we create a distinction because it's easy and because we don't understand people who are not like us <laughs> in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So we see a church in Serbia or in Myanmar and we think that's different than what I'm doing. And sometimes detrimentally thinking I can help them because they don't know that they're not like me, which is the best way to be, obviously. <laughs> but when you when you think of like, it's just the one church, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the local church in Evansville is the local church in Serbia. It's mm-hmm. one body or it's not. Right. And so every every issue is a local issue. It's all, it. every issue affects your family mm-hmm. and the body yeah. that you're connected to. Yeah. Yeah. I know like, like we've had Donko on the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And I I don't think any of us are called to minister to his church in Serbia, mm-hmm. um, but we are called to feel like he's our brother, mm-hmm. and we want to do everything that we can to help him serve his church because they're they are a local church, and he knows local needs there, and so we want to empower and champion and come alongside however we can uh, because his local church is part of our local church. It's just a different representation of that. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. I think too, it's just feeling a sense of freedom and permission and knowing what God has equipped you to do, like knowing what you're good at, you know? So for example, a little shout out to one of our building neighbors, Community One, like these Community One here in Evansville, Indiana, they do a great job of bringing holistic restoration into, uh, I'd just say like impoverished, impoverished parts of different communities and neighborhoods. And when I look at that, like it's inspiring. It's really, it's done really well. It's affecting all parts of a person and a family and a community, you know, their physical needs, tangible needs, as well as spiritual needs. And when I look at that, I don't get this sense of like, oh, I, we should be, I should be doing that. We should. Why isn't Uncharted, why doing, isn't Uncharted doing that too, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? But but instead to be like, man, I am so glad. I'm relieved that somebody else is doing that, not yeah. me. <laughs> not because I don't want to do it or because it's not worth it, but the opposite. Like that's that's what God has uniquely gifted them to do. And, and you so, have permission to focus elsewhere. Exactly. Because of it. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And and I don't have to be upset that they're not doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, conversely. Um, and I think just feeling that sense kind of to your point, Emily, like it's all, it is all one quote unquote local church and you have a unique part to play and I have a unique part to play and I don't have to feel guilty that I'm not playing your part or be mad that you're not playing mine. And I can celebrate, I can celebrate those differences and see it in that collective sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would also say too, it doesn't, um, it doesn't give me permission to not care about my local context. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because I think what's what's important is if I like if I came back from Japan and had a real heart for the people there that have no clue about the hope of Jesus, um, and then I come back here and six months or a year goes by and I still don't know my neighbors' names, right? And I don't know their needs and I don't know what's going on in their lives. Like that that should that should weigh on me because ultimately, um, I have to believe and trust that I am where I am for a reason, right? And um, so I I don't get to turn off uh, Japan or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Belgrade or any other part of the world from my mind, from my heart. But but I have to make sure that equally so that I'm aware and being the hands and feet of Jesus right here in, in my close proximity as well. Yep. 
so when we were kind of talking about this podcast earlier, there's one thing you brought up, Jeremy, that I thought was kind of interesting that I wanted to talk about is we were talking about this divide that exists between local and global focus and that it's possible that, you know, the church or organizations, perhaps even Uncharted, is inadvertently widening this gap just by, you know, doing doing things the way we usually do them or we're used to doing them. And one thing you brought up in particular was saying missions, calling what we do missions. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. So what what were you thinking, I guess? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but like what what about that word kind of brought up this question for you? I think for me, the word missions can tend to well first i think we can acknowledge it 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 carries baggage like everybody has their own definition of what that means but i think what it can well i'll just speak for myself what it's done for me in the past is i hear the word missions and i think oh that's a good thing that's for missions people Mm -hmm. i focus on this thing but i don't have to care about that because that's missions um so thinking about uh the idea of missions which sounds other or for some people it's like better christians or holier (laughs) christians or whatever uh those those other people that care about that thing uh if i shift from that to uh something that is more like missional or god's global mission um then that brings it back into um like the matthew 28 idea of the great commission uh that's not for any certain group of people other than people who say to jesus you are my king you know and uh it's it becomes one mission that has to have a, a representation here and has to have a representation elsewhere. And so then I start to see myself, whether or not I go and serve overseas or whatever, I start to see myself as a small part of this of this one big project rather than working on my own project while there's a side project happening somewhere else. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of baggage with the word missions, um, not only baggage on the side of that's just for a special unique type of Christian over there. Sadly, there's a lot of very negative baggage that goes along with it too. Um, My wife and I have a friend who likes to introduce me as a missionary and my wife is like, please (laughs) stop saying that. And for all the obvious reasons. And, and so, yeah, there's, there is a lot of negative baggage with that sort of that like conquering and conquest and, all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I think too, that there's a difference between understanding the activity of missions, which is what, you know, anything from, I'm going to go on a short-term trip. I'm going to go build the house when I'm the 15 year old junior high girl down in Mexico. I'm going to, um, go live overseas as a missionary for five years or whatever it is. Like that's, that's a lot of the activity of mission. And there's a difference between the activity versus what you're talking about, which is more the personal identity as a follower of Jesus. Like by nature of being a follower of Jesus, I am part of God's mission. I may not realize that. I may not live it out. I may not even care. It may not define my life or shape how I live every day, but that is part of my identity. And I think that that's a really foundational mental shift Um, for any follower of Jesus is there's a huge difference between the act, the activity of doing missions versus the personal identity of, of being uh, 
part of God's mission that is meant to shape my life. And when we can sort of shed that activity side of it, you know, and, and shed that, that myth of that's the activity is relegated for a few select Christians and instead really embrace, this is my identity. This is who I am. I am part of God's mission. That's when we begin to see our lives shaped in the everyday, in the, in the neighborhood, in the grocery store, in, in our families, in our places of work of living out God's mission. So let's talk a little more about church communities and their role in mission, because we've all agreed with my theory that's perfect about how (laughs) (laughs) church is just local church wherever it is. So like, yes, a church is involved in, in God's global mission simply by existing, you know, but aside from that, what practically, what does it look like for, you know, a church of 200 people in Evansville, Indiana to to be able to actually participate in disciple making in Serbia or somewhere that's not next door to them. So, and I think this is probably a, a topic we've talked about before on the podcast. I'm sure we definitely talk about it a lot in general on Uncharted, and we'll probably continue to talk about it for as long as Uncharted exists. Hmm. But, you know, is there... I guess the the first things that come to mind when you're talking to a church and they want to get involved in something, it's like, well, you can pray and you can give money and you can send people over there. And that's kind of it. So, <laughs> so what, not to diminish those things, but is that what church involvement looks like? And now I'm insecure about saying missions. (laughs) (laughs) International work. International kingdom work. So I I think that there's like different categories of how I'd answer that question. And always the one that comes to mind the first comes to mind first is just the word relationship. And what I mean by that in particular, now, granted, I'm answering this question from the perspective of where Uncharted works, works, which is places that are particularly not just unreached, but overlooked. So there's not a lot of believers. There's not a lot of followers of Jesus who are, who are there. So when I say relationship, the thing I think of is how isolated our, our brothers and sisters f- feel and are in those places. And so I think one of the most beautiful things, a, a church of 200 people here in Evansville, Indiana, or wherever you're listening from, can can join in and participate and contribute to the church in Serbia or fill in the blank, is, is finding those simple creative ways to communicate you're not alone, to communicate relationship, to communicate camaraderie. Um, and thankfully, we live in a day and age where technology allows us to do that beyond just, you know, getting on a plane, spending a lot of money and a lot of time getting on a plane to go over there. Though I think that's important, too. You know, I, I do think physical presence says a lot. But but I think for a church of 200 in Evansville to have this mindset of, OK, imagine this brave young couple living in, you know, podunk Serbia slugging it out for Jesus, feeling all alone and isolated, what are ways that we can communicate love and affirmation and support and camaraderie to them? And even if those ways feel really 
simple or small. I think they go a lot further than what we realize. So that would be one realm of uh, how I'd answer your question is, is that focus on relationship? Yeah, I think that's a good, like, I like the idea of relationship, even just as a metaphor. Uh, if you play it out in the sense of um, level of connection with somebody, regardless of your geographical distance from them. So if I have uh, somebody in my house gets really, really sick, or there's a tragedy that happens with my immediate family, I'm going to care about that a lot. Uh, if If that tragedy happens to uh, a friend of fa- on Facebook for me who lives a long ways away. Like how many times have we seen those things scrolling through Facebook and been like, oh man, that sucks. <laughs> and then you kind of keep scrolling if we're honest, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if that happens to uh, one of my parents who lives nine hours away, um, I'm still going to really, really care about that a lot. I'm not any closer to them physically, mm-hmm. but I have a relationship. There's something meaningful that happens there. And so when I think about ways that uh, churches can stay engaged with what God's doing around the world. Yeah. Sending people, supporting, praying, like those are all really, really important things. Um, like getting your e-newsletter and reading through that, like that's an important thing, but I'm going to care about that a lot more when I have that relationship. I think it's important like that we're sharing stories. So we know that in some of the places that we support, there are some really, really hard things that have happened there that were in the forefront of the news cycle for a hot second. And then they kind of went off and they went out of sight, out of mind. Um, the people that, that support those churches, I think, or the, the, those countries through Uncharted's work, I think they still really, really care about what's happening mm-hmm. there, even though it's gone out of sight, out of mind for, for a lot of uh, the public um, because there has been that level of relationship. So I think uh, once that relationship has been built, we're grieving with our brothers and sisters around the world. We're also celebrating what God's doing mm-hmm. in those places. I think I think we engage the global news differently or we even utilize social media differently. Like that relationship takes on a different dynamic. Yeah, I this might sound really out of nowhere, but I was recently rereading this book by like this media critic um, or like philosopher. Hmm. Um, and it he wrote this whole book as Neil Postman and he wrote this book about how much he hates TV because mm. it was written in the 80s, <laughs> but it's really good and relevant. <laughs> Um, But one of the points he was making, he was talking about this, like the inundation of news, like 24-7 news channels were kind of a new thing when he was writing this book. And specifically, at this point, we had never been more connected to like news from around the world. And it was just blaring at us all the time. You could turn on TV. And he basically was saying, if you are taking in this information about stuff that's happening on the other side of the world and it doesn't impact your life at all and you don't do anything about it and you don't think about it anymore, then this is entertainment for you. Wow. And it's like actively making you a worse person. Yikes. <laughs> wow. that's, that's so true. Yeah. But this huh. idea of like, it, it feels a little hopeless to think of it like that, but then you can think of, well, I know somebody in Myanmar. And so yeah. when I see this on the news, like I can, it does change my life yeah. and it does yeah. impact me. Yeah. Yeah. I think like even some of the, the standard ways that you mentioned of engaging with these other uh, Christians around the world, even those can start to look very, very differently. Like if you write a check to somebody and send it away, a lot of ways that can, that can actually create distance between mm-hmm. you and that other person because you feel like you've done your part and you don't have to engage anymore. But like, what if writing that check meant uh, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray because I know what their prayer needs are. I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray with mm-hmm. this check as I send it. Or um, 
what if what if contributing financially to somebody meant like me and my family are going to give up a meal one night a week and we're actually going to take that time to pray for fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. you know, this person. And so you start attaching your heart more Mm -hmm. to what you're sending um, because little things like that, I feel like God actually uses that to shape us and to mold not only um, our actions, but even just our heart, our perspective. Um, There's a mental and emotional shift that happens when, when we actually allow ourselves um, to, to feel, to empathize a little bit with what is actually happening around the world and come alongside that. Don't just leave it there, but come alongside that with prayer and believing that that when you do that, that something is actually happening in the kingdom. There's a shift happening because you are identifying with that person. I think I think one of the things that I've been becoming more and more sensitive to over the last several months is just really understanding like what are what are the privileges, the circumstances, the realities that are true in my life. And what is it like truly interacting with the Lord? Like, what does it look like to use these, to steward these in such a way that, that do, um, actively contribute to, to redemptive kingdom things. And what I mean by that is here we are in our case, the three of us sitting in the middle of the United States. Um, you know, none of us are like over the top wealthy, but compared to the rest of the world, we are. Um, we all have a lot of privilege. We all have a lot of access to things that most of the world doesn't. And I think as followers of Jesus who live in a context like that, you have a choice every day to either just sort of blindly live in that and blindly enjoy that or to be actively pursuing, God, how do I use these things in such a way that intentionally bring redemption to those to, to those around me. And when I say around me, I mean locally and geographically, globally. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's been because sometimes we we kind of look to the to the institutional church or to organizations like Uncharted to answer the question for us. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for for you to engage? You know? And and I think I've been convicted more recently of like, well, I can answer that question. Mm -hmm. Like God's entrusted these things to me, you know? And so, um, why don't I ask him, God, what does it look like for me to engage? What does it look like for me to use in my case, my white American maleness, uh, in a way that is actively pursuing redemption around the world. Yeah. And I think even opening up your eyes to see outside of your bubble, um, I feel like there's a lot of value in just recognizing that, uh, at least for the three of us, I would say that what we have is unique mm-hmm. and that it's, it's not normal. Um, so I think it's, it's really easy to, to feel like, uh, what the, the lives that we live here is the normal way to live. Right. And it's really, really hard for those people that don't have that, or it must be really, really nice for the people that do have that. Um, but for me, what I have is normal. And I think, um, when you start to engage more with different circumstances, like you were saying, when you start to understand other people's lives more, then you start to see like, oh, what I have is actually just a, just a really small sliver of what, you know, the kind of lives that believers and uh, people around the world are living. And so it starts to either make you, you know, in some ways maybe grateful for what you have, Mm. um, but also recognizing that you can, you can help, that you can intercede Mm. um, for people who don't have what you do. Like, like Ben, I, this is a super small thing, but I know oftentimes when you're praying for a meal, you stop to acknowledge that, 
a lot of people don't have what I have. And um, just in the past couple of weeks, I started doing that with my family and like, I can see it in my kids' eyes. Like they receive that yeah. and they, they recognize that differently. And I think it's really easy to feel like, oh, everybody's sitting around a table for, for a meal right now. Right. right. Um, but we start to recognize that's actually not the case. Yeah. And so we, we can't help everybody. We can't change that for everybody, but um, it's a huge step to just become aware of that. It's yeah. good. Everybody's going to think I'm sucking up to you because I just started working. <laughs> Say um, something mean about it now. That's right. Yeah, but you look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about connecting churches to God's global work and not missions specifically. <laughs> Jeremy, that is what you are here at Uncharted to do, the engagement director. Um, so Ben, actually, do you want to talk about maybe what you see Jeremy doing in this role? Yeah, I'll, I'll frame it this way. This Here's going to be, like I said, I'm really good at cheesy. So this is going to be a little bit cheesy, I'm Emily. rolling my eyes already. Great. <laughs> so the, the picture I've always had in my mind is Uncharted has um, two equal sides to, our, to our, our focus, our vision, our mission, if you will. And someone else who's been on our pad, podcast before, Jeff Bunting, um, he really helps carry carry forward this one side of our international work, right? So the helping catalyze discipleship movements, unreached people, et cetera, and does a really great job of helping move that part of our mission and vision forward. But there's another half of who we are as an organization that's very much integrated to it. Um, it's sort of the inhale and exhale of a breath. There you go. There's the cheesy eye roll. And, and it really is this role that Jeremy's stepping into is our partnerships with local churches is not just a out of out of necessity or just a function of who we are. Like it's something that very deeply on a theological level we believe is important to 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 see the people of God engage in the mission of God. And so just as important as it is for us to to identify those unreached overlooked people groups and help catalyze discipleship movements, it's equally as important to see how we can connect vibrant faith communities here in the U.S. to those pioneering works. And that's the role that Jeremy is stepping into. So no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, that's, that's, the, that's why this role was created, was to help carry that load forward and um, to really strengthen an area that, you know, it hasn't been ignored by us, but has, has sort of out of necessity been a little bit on the back burner um, and now to have somebody in that role who can give their full attention and passion and experience and ideas and creativity and energy to that uh, for for me for our organization is really exciting yeah I'm super excited about that I think uh, you know I love the the phrase connecting uh, the people of God to the mission of God um, and I think kind of internally I've started like putting the qualifiers on that that would say like connecting ordinary people. Mm the ordinary people of God to the extraordinary mission of God, because again, it doesn't, it, it shouldn't feel like an other than type of thing. Um, I want to start to see myself in that, see my, the role that I should be playing in that. And so I'm excited to help uh, discover ways to help ordinary people like me take steps to increase the awareness of, and to, to develop a heart for God's global mission. And, um, so I think some of our listeners might hear that and think, uh, I have ideas for what that could look like. And uh, so you can email me <laughs> at, <laughs> at Um 
because I, I want to hear what, what ideas people might have about that. Or, or you might be listening to this and you think like, um, I have the same question. And so that's where we want to start exploring that with others to try and help answer this question, to help, um, help ordinary people start to see themselves as a part of God's larger story. I'm excited to see where this goes to, because I do think back to one of your earlier questions, Emily, it was sort of like for, for a long time in, in the Western Christian world, it has felt like the answer to how do I engage in missions has been give, go and pray. Right. And again, not to diminish those. I mean, those are all when they're done well, they can, they can all be. We're definitely not telling you to stop giving. (laughs) That's right. Yes. (laughs) We encourage that for sure. Um, but I think what what's exciting for me to think about is Uncharted in particular is poised in a very nimble way and creative way. And so it's going to be fun to see over the next months and years just some of the simple but creative ways that engagement points or engagement pathways are developed so that people don't feel stuck with, you know, just, well, I... I can't go on a short-term trip either because of a global pandemic or a military takeover, or I don't have enough money, or I have 10 days of vacation for my job and, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what, and and I don't have $20 a month to give or whatever, you know, like to find other creative ways to help people more, uh, feel more connected to God's global mission. I'm really excited to see what that looks like down the road. We wanted to end this episode with a thank you to the Basecamp community. Basecamp is Uncharted's community for people passionate about advancing God's kingdom all over the world. The generous support of Basecamp is how we're able to care for, train, and multiply disciples in overlooked and unreached places. You can join the Basecamp community by signing up for automatic monthly donations. Head to unchartedinternational.org give and join today.